0: Good evening and welcome to an episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, How's
1: it, guys? A very disappointing week as a Gooner. I don't know when last I felt this down.
0: You know, after you know what was supposed to be a flying start against Crystal Palace, because I mean, we really caught them cold in the game. Um, they seemed to, you know, not... They weren't really awake to any of the, the sit, early set pieces of the game. And I mean, we went into a quick 2-0 lead when. Socrates managed to, you know, after a Xhaka assist, uh, volley the ball into the ground, beat uh, Wayne Hennessy in the uh, Crystal Palace goal. And then, I think two minutes later, again, the ball got floated in by Pepe. Everybody missed the ball, but for David Luiz, who just don't poke the ball. Oh, to ar- no Arsenal, very early start.
1: It's amazing how um, good set-piece deliveries makes a difference. Eh? I mean, if this is our, what, our second Premier or it was like three Premier League goals at the Emirates thus far, that, you know, back-to-back games at the Emirates in the Premier League that we scored from set pieces. And it all, it all takes a decent delivery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you pack in the, you, you're in you able to score a goal. And, I mean, I don't know if they listened to our previous podcast and practiced their corner kicks, but, you know, you needed a flying start from Arsenal since Leicester won um, 9-0 the other day. You would think that, you know, Arsenal were there 2-0 up and you're thinking, you know, how much more can Arsenal put through? I mean, starting but, on fire.
0: But you know what? What uh, I also noticed, I mean, this is also like weird that it comes to the problem that we've also been having sometimes with corners and that. Um, sometimes it's not like they, once they place the ball, they don't, you know, maybe catch their breath or whatever. They just take the corner immediately and then you get the ball, you know, either bobbling towards the near post or not even reaching the near post. But I mean, like with Pepe, now since that two, two free kicks he begged against Victoria, I mean, now he's like taking his time, you know, really checking things out Getting himself was like composed and then he, you know, in the, put some nice whip on the wall when he gets into the box. So yeah, two 0 But as you said, I thought, you know, we're gonna now keep pressing on. But it's almost like the minute we went two 0 up, the foot got taken off the gas. How uh, did you take it?
1: Is I I, I agree with that. Like we almost sunk into a complacency now. How did to actually speak about this. Was that is that something do you think that comes from Emre, that, you know, once you score two goals in a game, or like this, you try to, you know, see the game out, or do you think there's actually an instruction from Emery to, you know, put the foot on acceleration, because they were there for the taking, to make it 3-4-0, I felt, when we went 2 nil up, and it just like, complacency said, you know, they're thinking, you know, the job is done, and if it's arrogance or if it's, you know, a ploy from Emre that, you know, calm down, you know, we don't have to be attacking all the time.
0: But I mean, this goes also hand-in-hand with that comment that you made, I think, last week where you said, you know, you you, you looking for that, that, that 3 4 5 null no type games, you know, where we go like that. But it's like, I think that's also we now, this where I've mentioned with the end in hand thing, because it's like, them as, a, like the, the players as a unit, they go into this, uh, as you said, that, that, with a comfort zone thing, where they think 2 nil no is enough. And I mean, look, it, it takes one goal to put the cat amongst the pigeons, and then you start seeing, you know, almost like the sort of Arsenal that you see uh, playing against Watford that second half where they looked almost like they've never met each other, like any other players.
1: And uh, I mean, the defensive unit also, like it took one long ball to isolate, like, you know, going to the, the penalty incident. It took one long ball from, from Crystal Palace. Wilfred Zaha uh, uh, gets one-on-one with Callum Chambers and suddenly looking at the penalty, in my opinion, though, I thought, I'm thinking that VAR is actually messing up the Premier League because it it was a very soft decision and I'm not not sure why the refs aren't looking at that screen to make their own decisions. like they're getting a a message from off-field and they make a decision because I don't think that was a penalty, my personal take on Uh, it. I
0: thought it was Stonewall because, you know, it was almost like a lazy leg by Callum Chambers. And I mean, uh, yes, Zaha did make the most of it, but I mean... It, it's almost like, if you remember, was it two two or three seasons ago? Yeah, it could be three seasons ago, where Jamie Vardy did that, where, where Montreal just put his leg out. And, you know, it was like Jamie Vardy didn't need a second invite for that, you know, to trip over that, that foot. And and it also played out like that. So, you know, for me, the AR, it was the wrong decision because he even gets a, a card for, for, what's it, simulation? Diving, yeah, and then by the time that the VAR thing comes around, they said, no, it's a penalty.
1: But don't you think the ref should actually use that screen? you know, Whether yeah. or not it's a penalty, you know, don't you think the ref should go there, check, and you know, decide whether or not in you know,
0: easy um, like, Look, I watch Bundesliga also every week. And um, the thing is, when they have a decision like that, when there's that, that question, there's that, that doubt, they don't let that guy in the studio, wherever the base is, let them make the decision. They, he will go to the screen and so at the end of the day you're gonna have the ref making the decision, but he makes use of that side, that T V thing, that mini monitor that they have on the touchline. And there, I notice in, in the Premier League they do not do that. So everything is down to the say like you know, the, the what the guy in the studio in the main office does, you know, gives the call. And that is wrong because as it then later came out, that guy is never ref even into the in the Premier League. It was in charge of that the VAR thing.
1: So it's it's for me it's spoiling the Premier League games because yes it's you know in the World Cup and some tournaments it's been hundred percent correct but looking at it in the Premier League for me it's very dodgy at the moment and I mean you know once again Arsenal give away a penalty as well I think it's like a fifth penalty we've given away like five penalties that this season as far and if you go back last season we gave two to Palace already if you think about it but I don't know. If 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 there's not being anything done in training to like you know not stick your foot out for for these decisions because they're just sticking their foot out yes I know that's for me I didn't think it was a pin but I mean like you said they're sticking out lazy legs all the time and it's causing these decisions to happen
0: and I mean some like if you look at it over the course of uh, say the last like four or five matches like you know going back. You've had like, David Luiz pull people back, it's already beaten him, and he tugs them back. You've had also that, that uh, like say against Spurs, where Xhaka just cluttered, in, cluttered into, I think it was Son, where yes, no real danger. So, yeah, it's, it's a very cheap penalty. And
1: Luiz against Watford as well, in the, the very next game.
0: Yeah, so, you know, something needs to be also looked at, that because... But Then again, a person we bring up this every time almost like parrot talk and that, but nothing ever gets done. You're still seeing the same errors happening, like same with that thing. It annoys us all with a you know, when players are getting beaten on the field and then they try to like rugby like tackle somebody down or or tug back, you know, like where they and it's like you know, in front of the ref where they're showing okay, they're tugging on the jersey and the, and they're getting like this cheap yellow card because I'm sure. People like Socrates and Jaka, they're already also probably lining up for a uh, first season, first um, suspension of the season coming up, the way they, you know, clocking up your
1: And it's like, I, I thought Arsenal, you know, after they conceded, uh, I thought that they would maybe, we'd get the reaction from them. We did, you know, to an extent towards, like, the, the moving on in the first half. I mean, Lacazette came close to scoring. I mean, he uh, did a good save from Hennessy. And then we also had Pepe, who kind of had a good shot on on target, but then it was then later ruled offside. But I think we 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 allowed Crystal Palace to sniff blood, giving away a silly penalty.
0: Yeah, because look, they also picked up the minute we, uh, you know, that, that that Jekyll and I performance that we normally give off. The minute we can't see that, it, it's not like we went into our shells. Instead of, you know, taking the initiative and really, you know, being in their faces again, but it's not like we were just you know, asking for trouble the way we were. Because uh, I don't know if it's, as you said, you don't know if it's based on, also if it's Emery telling them to go into the shelves like that, or do they just, you know, almost like shit themselves and then decide, okay, we're going to not sit back instead of playing an attacking game. Because, look, with our own home team. We should be the ones taking the initiative, although also the one playing more attacking brand of football. But it's like we're willing to just sit, 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 and just allow this pressure on us. And it gets into a point where, you know, even our goal kicks become uh, uh, you know put under pressure and we end up just camped in our off for the majority of the uh, of the game.
1: It's like I said, it comes down again to this. To this is one of the games as well where it came down to lacking an identity. Like if you have a personality at the say all your home games so of we're gonna blow you away, we don't care. You know what type... I know Finger got criticised for it as well. You know he, he played everybody the same when they came when they come to the Emirates or you play away from home. But it's like Arsenal like were there for the taking Invincibles Arsenal and even, you know, some portion of Wenger. Like even though we had the rain that we was declining, but they would have blown kind of Palace away, I feel at, at 2-0. I'm not saying I want Wenger back or anything, but two 0 against Palace at the Emirates Stadium. You go make three, you go make four. Liverpool would have probably destroyed Palace. City would have done the same. But it's like Arsenal allow you to come back in the game and say, okay, we're gonna just watch you play a bit, and we have three of the like you know top attacking talents and I mean, with you, like I said, Pepe and uh, Bamian.
0: And I'm sure you notice also the minute that first goal comes in, even if we two one up or something like that, you can already hear that groans in that stadium. That you know then you already like you as, a, as a, like say a viewer or watching it on TV, you already also get that uneasy feeling because look, you also kind of feeling off. What you're hearing in that stadium, if there is not a positive, like you know, positive sound going around there, you also see that almost like certain drift also in the way they play, and, and the same way, the way they play so un- unentertaining at times, and also then, you know, spreads into the crowd, and they get frustrated because there were also numerous uh, times in in the game where it was not first off and like us not switching our attention also to the second off, where we'd like say get the ball from the goal kicker, we will run to the halfway line. All of a sudden, Palace, you know, dropped back. Ten men behind the ball, start, you know, plugging up all the gaps. We don't know what to do. Then all of a sudden, we start playing the ball back to Leno, or we start playing it around the back. And I'm thinking, we're, we're not going anywhere.
1: And, and it's almost like, I don't know what Emery said at halftime, because going on to the second half is like, the I don't know, were we scared again? Because we just came out and Crystal Palace was like showing that they wanted this game more than we did.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, they came then out with that sort of attitude that Watford came out with. Almost like, look, you're something in this for Arsenal.
1: And you could see it. And I mean, they, they caught us very cold. I mean, I uh, the commentators say as well, Arsenal were just slow to react. I mean, Palace, you could say, kind of hit us on a on a like a like mini counter-attack. Granit Xhaka, um allowing that MacArthur that you mentioned was one of their danger men, allowing him space, not closing down, allowing him to cross the ball. And David Luiz, you know, he was shouting and stuff after the goal was conceded. But he loses Iu for an easy goal.
0: But, you know, with that, like, I, like I'm just trying to like replay it roughly into my head. Did you see with that MacArthur, he draws Xhaka towards him. And in that time that is now, you know, darting towards him, he then cranks on the pace again to get past Xhaka. And it's almost like Xhaka's carrying water, can't, you know, <laughs> re, you know get an injection of pace to, you know, catch up again. And by that time, that, that's all he needs to get that cross in, you know, that to whip it in. And I mean, as you said, David Luis makes a total cock-up of it. And then the, the whole body language of Leno also got it totally awkward, you know. Because I expected him to somehow get the torso block or, you know, just some hands ahead of himself. But I mean, that ball like, went right through him.
1: At, at that point, I just thought to myself, is this really happening? Like, I was seething with anger at that point. I'm like this can't be real I mean 2-0 up at home you throw the game 2 all. and I'm thinking to myself you know way to from here we were lucky to get goals with set pieces and I, I just was thinking what what's going to happen next and it's like it carried on and I thought you know Palace were going to take it to make it 3-2 eventually
0: yeah then we, it started becoming like a, you know what we also go at the basketball game because then it was like we attack they attack and I mean I was even thinking even if we went say 3-2 up you just know on the other side when the ball gets flung on the other way, <laughs> we're going to be under pressure and we might make, you know, balls up and, and, and concede something stupid again.
1: Then, uh, a big turning point in the game, not that we wouldn't say turning point in the game, but yeah, big controversy. Box. Yeah, that also. Big controversy in, in the game with with Chaka. Um, I mean, what was your, what's your opinion on that?
0: Look, I think it's, that was already like a kind of pressure cooker. A few weeks back, I don't know if you remember. Also, there was a thing where he got subbed, and it was almost like that ironic cheers from the that away fan. Uh, you know, that, that went to the watch the game. I think it, it could be that Sheffield United game when he got subbed or something like that. Yeah, but it was like very mild in that. But now at the Emirates, it became more boisterous. And and since but yeah, look, there was because uh, look, he was already coming under pressure because. He was not almost like the, the fan's choice to be skipper of the squad. Emery goes and do that, and look, we called it weeks, weeks back that he's going to put himself, like as, as Emery, he's going to put himself under needless pressure now making this sort of decision, even though he knows Xhaka is somebody that's always substituting for most parts. Look, look, even at games in, in the start of last season or so when we were under the cosh, he would even sub Xhaka at halftime to bring a Gwendouzi on or something like that just to get some sort of Uh, you know, more drive going forward. So, this was almost like, you know, uh, 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 it got to boiling point. And I think just that fact we he was already not happy being substituted, and then just that fact that he was now uh, almost like walking off instead of jogging or sprinting off and also, of of course, uh, trying to, you know, know, get a a third, that almost infuriated already a frustrated crowd. So, that's where, the, you know, some quarters now started booing. And the minute he started now, you know, pumping his arms up, you know, almost like asking for more, then all all like that old like, you know, about three quarters of that stadium really did go after him then.
1: It became a real toxic environment, actually. Like, you know, I, I don't, I think you know, the, the fans were a bit harsh. Mm. Or that, like, you know, and Xhaka, though, like, I can't make excuses for him. As a club captain, you mm. can't, you know, act like that. You, you run off the field, maybe even run down the tunnel, kick a few things in the tunnel, but don't react like that in a really toxic atmosphere.
0: Yeah, because it brought like a, a total different vibe. Because, you know, he already looked kind of broken by the time he hit the tunnel. But, I mean, just that losing is cool on the field is like something that you don't really see of, of you know, say, a, like an Arsenal captain. Because, look, we've had bad experiences also the way like say the William Carlos Strop or, I'm not because I I was just thinking last night also with if you want to compare also, you know, the minute Van Persie it came out that he does not want to be at the club anymore, he was also going to play the season out. Wenger was still going to choose him and then. But look, there were sometimes subtle boos and stuff like that for him, you know. But I mean, he still grounded out. He didn't show it out like you know on the field. And look. That's what I'm also trying to say. Like he was also um like his wife was also bullied on social media. His like certain insults were even have like these kids which which are like, you know totally uncalled called for. But I'm just trying to say is he's still grounded out and I mean he still sought out his his arsenal career like that. So I mean, say over what you will. I mean I don't have that much respect for him as a player where he now, you know, went like a snake and done everything. But I mean that aside, I mean he you could deal with it. And I think that is a sort of mental attitude also you need. You know, you need to be a bit thick-skinned to deal with the fans, whether it's their own way or, whatever, or criticism in the media even.
1: That's a big worry, you know. I've never actually thought about it that way, but you just sparked something now. Like, isn't it the problem that your captain can't handle that? I know it's you know, yeah. very difficult, but, like, to handle that, like, does that not filter throughout the team that if things get cranked up against them, it's like they almost fall apart and lose their rank?
0: I think that, yeah, that, you know, it's true because that was almost like a kind of test of his, uh, say, you know, mental strength. You know, does he have it? Because, I mean, you can just look down the years with, with I'm not just talking about Arsenal. You look at, at, at people like, say, Tony Adams who had, uh, you know, say they that, had that, that drink driving problems. But he look, he ended up locked up for a couple of months, ended up coming back, trained himself fit again and boom, back on the field. People were, you know, berating him, making fun of him about the Charleston he still went out and did the business and I think we still won the league in that year also he was out for a while or won a couple of cups or something like that. And same okay we said even like with Roy Keane. he was not really people's favourite like other than, you know, United fans but also he can take the, the licks type kind of thing when it comes to criticism and that. You might, you know, he might be sulking inside but I mean, you know for a fact the a player is going to come out and work even 10 times hard and I think that is what some Arsenal fans... You know, those that are... You know, kind of on the fence with all this. Because, look, I'm not going to get myself involved with... with you know, because I see there's a lot of um, tribal... This is something that I'll talk to you about. That with the tribalism with this Arsenal fans now. It's like you got this... We just went through this whole Wenger in, Wenger out thing. And now, it's again, you got this Emory in, Emory out. And I mean, for me, as an Arsenal fan of, or like, you know, over 25-something years, I'm somebody... I just want what's best for the club. You know, all drama and that aside, I just want what's best for Arsenal football club. So whether it's, you know, with the board that look, we think this is the way to go with, say, as a manager, fine. Or if the board that look, you know, it's tough or whatever, but we're going to have to see it out with this coach. You know, you can also, it's going to be a bit of to swallow, but you still have to deal with it.
1: I think that's the problem with the fan base at the moment is it's almost like they're looking for a hate figure always to like take the you know the anger out on or like Xhaka got caught up in the middle of, you know, fans getting frustrated with Emre, Emre being like choosing Xhaka as captain and now it's again, you know, like you said, a divide. And us as Arsenal right now need to stick together because it's very tough for us. I mean what what we're going through right now, you just like at the moment you just see no positivity. And as fans, we need to kind of, you know, try to get behind the team now and just try to move on from this because it's pointless us hopping back and being Shaka in, Shaka out, Emre in, Emre out because we're not going to get anywhere. We're just going to be miserable. And just let's try to look positive for it. But like, even though I've tried to look positive, I can't even look positive because of the VAR decision again that I disagreed with this time as well. I mean, we piled on the pressure to try to get that third goal. And then again, a set-piece. We're becoming like the new Stoke at the moment at the Emirates. But I did not think that should have been a foul.
0: Yeah, because if anything, you know, you could go through it, the middle part of that incident to the the start of the incident. Callum Chambers was first, first uh, shoved, you know, yes. trying to get to the ball. Then when the ball broke on the ground, what they, what that, that, that guy in that VAR, suit, what he almost like, uh, you know, kind of forgets. Callum gets kicked on the Achilles as well. And when he falls, he falls onto that other guy's foot. So it's like a domino effect. And we get called for it. That's I said, you know, a real cheap, cheap call by a VAR. Which I mean, they lost, I mean they are, they lost a hell of a lot of fans, you now with that, that VAR decision.
1: Yeah, it's coming down to the ref needs to look at the screen. Like, that's the thing. If the ref looks at the screen and he sees, OK, I'm disallowing this goal, then fine. He made a decision because... He saw something in it that was a foul. But like I said, the referee is not making the decision with his VAR. And it's it seems that the evidence that VAR has been very unlucky towards us.
0: And I mean, you know, we can also see, you know, how bad this is when you have, say, like some of our, you know, biggest critics, when they go, no, you know, this can't be, or this can't be happening. Then you think, well, if they're siding with us, then something really has to be, you know, wrong with this whole VAR thing.
1: I think we just need to relook at the whole thing. I mean, it it could spoil the Premier League as a whole because, you know, these decisions could, like, you go back to that now. I mean, you brought VAR to eliminate, you know, those marginal errors. But now you go back, Arsenal must have been top four. Yes, it could be our own doing as well because of letting a two-goal lead slip. But decisions like that can cost you in the long run.
0: I mean, for me, it's also, it gets anticlimactic because... You know, you see Socrates score and you celebrate and you as a, a viewer or you as a, a fan in the stadium, you celebrating like crazy and then all of a sudden, you, you know, like all the wind gets taken out of you while yes. you're watching that screen or waiting for the official to make the call. And I mean, especially when it's wrong, it's even tougher to handle because you're using modern technology and you all still screwing up.
1: And I think just from there, I think that could have probably taken the win out of Arsenal sales. Because thereafter, we just didn't have that, you know, Hennessy also was pulled a, a brilliant save from David Luiz. But I, I, you could just tell in the air that there wasn't going to be a winning goal. I don't know how you felt.
0: No, I mean, I was looking. I mean, for me, it was almost like playing out, you know, the way, way it was at, at um, Sheffield United. also it, it gave me that sort of feel at the end where, you know, you're willing it, you know, you're willing for a goal, and that, but you just don't see where that thing was coming because... We were either trying to pass, that like two intercuts, and the ball was never coming. Or there were moments where we were trying to get three or four touches extra when you should have just, you know, laid the ball off. Because, you know, I'm actually getting also tired of saying it. But I mean, you know, if you just slicken up the passing, you know, that, but you know, just like a few seconds faster with the passing and laying off, and then you can cause a hell of a lot of damage. But the minute you do that, two, three touch extra, that people are, like your opponent is going to put so many people behind the ball. It's going to be, I like, you're going to have to be eye of the needle stuff for everything. Even if it's lofting a ball over, it's going to be, you have to be on the button.
1: You know, and, and after that, you know, I thought that Arsenal couldn't take me lower. And lo and behold, on Wednesday, I think they, they, they took me, they hit me even lower into the ground. I mean, a 10-goal thriller at Anfield, but boy, we were on the receiving end, I feel, at the end of the day. I mean, against a Jurgen club who didn't even want to be in the competition.
0: I mean, you know, what What actually summed up that that game, that, that uh, Liverpool Arsenal game, the League Cup, was just seeing the, the, the camera switching to the managers, where for almost like 90 minutes, Emery looked miserable. Then he's like cheering, then he's, you know, shaking his head and whatever. And for that whole 90 minutes, I just saw Klopp laughing the whole time because it's almost like as much as they tried to get themselves eliminated from the competition, we managed to just do this... Football suicide or, or Russian roulette because almost like whatever they did bad, we did like 10 times worse. Like, I, it was unbelievable, like seeing the amount of, of things that we did to concede. I mean, even I'm at times I'm not even talking, but I'm still shaking my head of like, you know, <laughs> like, moments of the game. I mean, like, you know, just over the top of my head, like the, the wait, uh, Oxford Chamberlain's goal on for 58 minutes to make it yeah. 3 4. Anthony Maitland like Niles is ball watching, nobody's giving him a shout, but he's not you know aware to what's happening left and right. And I mean seriously, you can't tell me, you as a footballer, that's looking to to the opponents off. You don't see a red like you know a glimmer on your peripherals or you, I mean are, are these guys that blind because in that time he tried to stick out an army touches Oxford chamberlain nicks the ball off him and just smashes one of that bending balls. And I mean Martinez does another one where I thought he's going to go, say, left hand and stretch for that. Because you look, you're going to get that extra stretch. What does he do? He comes with his right hand to claw with a left hand is supposed to be. And, of course, he's setting himself up. At this. I think he, he barely just got a little finger to it. And it's still, you know, beating with ease. And then, of course, the goal to make it 5-5 with Origi. Oh, where no. I thought we were going to now, you know, hold out for that, at that uh, period. Because, look. All we had to do because I mean, look, Joe, uh, Joe Willock scored a fantastic cracker and you know, the, you know real postage stamp goal. And I thought that was now a goal to you know, win you a tie, but then again, you're know, the not an Arsenal player that plays for Arsenal Football Club because we then managed to allow that ball to come in from the right. Origi is standing just off Mustafi and uh, yeah,
1: Quint-
0: and what do the two of them do? Mustafi takes a step away from him, Guendouzi takes a step away from him, and it just opens up everything for him to do that overhead kick and bury it past Martinez to make it 5-5. And, you know, that for me, in a way, also spoiled the tie, it spoiled the sort of performance that, that, look, Ozil made his comeback in the game.
1: He had a solid performance, you know, according to that, but for me, he had a good one.
0: And I mean, look, Martinelli has played to a different level of football, like, you know, for somebody that young to to almost like take a game or something, scuffed the neck and, you know, just push it to the Mac Because I think the guys that only came like really through with, you know, the real credit was Ozil, Torreira and Martinelli. But I mean, everything else, like Saka looked totally off it. Um, Willock, but for that goal, he didn't really do that much. Maitland-Niles, but for that goal also, didn't contribute like I thought he would. Because, you know, sometimes his ball control was also shocking and, I mean, that back four, I mean, TNM was made to look even worse by the sort look at times. Look, Mustafa was bailing out the holding, but I mean, holding played a shocker. I mean, the amount of times he allowed the ball to slip through where he was just ball watching, and, and you know, there was times even where they were just dinking the ball over his head, and Mustafa had to save his backside. And I mean, Bellerin also looked like, you know, way off base to, you know, because I think he's also still worried with that knee thing. I think that is why also you can see he's not just you know, rushing the league, because
1: you can see he's really lost quite a bit of pace. I, I I just don't know where to from here. I mean, how does holding go, you know, from a, a solid defender to a total, you know, a, a mess? It's, it's like nobody knows who the partner is going to be in the next game. It's like everybody's just thrown in. I mean, I know the, this young side of ours normally pulls through for us, but, I mean, to a Raider... I think should should be pushed back into the starting eleven because we need him. But it's almost like, you know, he feels right now that no matter what he does, he's not gonna get the start because, you know, Xhaka would normally take his place. So I just don't know where to where to from here. I mean, throwing this game away. I mean as bad of a season you can have, I mean, if we're to go to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, you kind of look past Sunday and maybe you beat Wolves, and you maybe pick up points against Leicester, and suddenly, you know, you, you, you take some positives from it, but it's like it's going from bad to worse, and I mean, if if Arsenal don't pick up a result against Wolves, there could be very much toxic environment.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I've also read this a like, few hours ago, um, Una Emery has said, look, Shaka is also omitted from tomorrow's game against Wolves, so, I, yeah. And do you um, will be in the matchday squad? Yeah, he's, he will be in. I mean, look, I don't know if it's now. Look, We can't say now the 11. But um, he'll be in. And I think, uh, was that the other one that I also mentioned? torero will also then probably he, will probably start. But I think creatively, I mean, it's also maybe worth a try. You know, you giving a run again because at the moment it's like, Sabayos is also needing to be... I think we also need to take him of the firing line because I think there were times also in that, 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 whether it was the Liverpool game or the Palace game, he's also at times running to blind alleys because he's just not getting that... You know, that, the movement in midfield is also not right. It wasn't like what you said with the balance in midfield until Emery gets some sort of... You know, we can see. OK, this is my, my best three in midfield or best four, whichever side of midfield he wants to play you can always have
1: that. You're not really sure of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and that's the biggest gripe I have with Emery at the moment and with Arsenal. I mean, in your head, you I'm not saying we are Arsenal coaches, but in your head, you have your best 11 that you would probably try to throw in week in, week out. I have my best 11 that I would probably throw week in, week out. But Una, oh, no, Emre doesn't have that. And that's causing problems because our combinations and stuff aren't able to actually, you know, flourish and, you know, build partnerships amongst the team. It's like you know you don't know who's gonna be playing away when the when the kick-off part for David Luiz and Socrates.
0: Yeah, because I mean uh, it's gotten to a stage now also where the the you know the longer he's unsure of like say, let's say the say the, the strongest eleven teams are, I mean at times teams are not really even doing their homework against us. we are the ones that should be doing homework because like we, since we have just this one-dimensional style of play. Other teams are starting to look, you know, more slicker on the ball, you know, making it. Because, I mean, even that, if you just talk back to the, the Sheffield United game, the way they were knocking the ball around, it was not like the Sheffield United that you and I used to know when, when you know, when, when the, the likes of Ian Bryson and them and that, you know, they were those days of the Sheffield United teams. But, I mean, now this, like, the, or Phil Jaglalka, that, that era. Now it's, it's like you see a more, you know, a modern style of, of, um, you know, football play, played by, by Sheffield United. And I think that is where Arsenal still haven't uh, like adapted. Because that's what you said, I think, in the start of the podcast. You said that you know, when you, you don't have that respect for your opponent. You think it's going to be easy, you know, like a walk in the park. And when they, when they start playing football the same way you can, then it's like we don't have an answer to it.
1: And and we've been caught our pants down quite a bit. I mean, look at Aston Villa. Like, I thought, we, I, we probably thought we were going to walk into the game and, you know, take the three points. But we had to fight, and it was because of complacency. Watford, we probably showed complacency as well. That's why we got punished. And I'm telling you now, if we don't step up against Wolves, it could get ugly. I mean, they did beat Man City at the Etihad, and they can show that they can have a very strong attack. And Arsenal's defense is very brittle. So if Arsenal allow Wolves to get their foot on the ball at the Emirates, we could be for a long 90 minutes. And that's scary, the fact that we're playing at home.
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's gotten out to a point where, you know, eyes are being eyes are now falling more and more on Emery because I think Emery used almost like this old Jacker thing as a kind of deflection of, you know, what was happening with him as a coach, where you know, kind of like nothing is really going right, and now it's almost like with these like the next few games now with with um, Wolves and, and Leicester City. Now it's gonna, you know, he's gonna really come under the fire. Or even like with, with uh, the game on, on Wednesday also next Wednesday against Victoria, because almost like one minute we were was like cruising in that, and now the uh, others are kind of creeping up in that in that group as well.
1: I, I just hope that we can, you know, change the the toxic environment, but it's gonna it's gonna come to the coach as well. Like you know, he needs to, to man up now and and and. and you know, step up and make decisions that is going to be difficult decisions to make. I mean, even if it means stripping Xhaka from captaincy, for example. Like, he needs to start making decisions. I mean, he I think he hides a lot, like you mentioned about, you know, this Xhaka thing, you know, shadowing everything. But in general, I think he hides a lot as a coach as well. You know, he's never up front and says, so like, you know, I'm with Ozil because I'm not happy with him in general. Like, he will always, like, you know, say, oh, Ozil is fit, but, you know, this, that, and the other. He just doesn't know how to handle conflict or maybe it's a language barrier I don't know
0: no no, no I think it's the first part that you mentioned. I, think, I, I just don't think he knows how to handle conflict because it's like if he knows like you know almost like if you and his good books I think then you're fine you don't need to you know if you have that sort of personality that can you know almost like go toe to toe with him but if you like the rest of the team then he's gonna just let it slide by because uh, I think some of that look we we sign him up and whatever, as a coach, fine, you, you know, we have to also respect it as, as Arsenal fans. and, it. But at times, there's certain things of him, I'm sure most of those that listen to us as well, also have that, that, that slight, you know, little doubt deep down where you think, is this project maybe too big for him? Where, you know, because I don't know if I, it was you or if I mentioned on the podcast, but sometimes when I see him as, a, as an Arsenal manager, that kind of reminds me if any of the Arsenal fans remember that, that you know, the Bruce Rioch era where, you know, you just come off a long term manager like George Graham and then you get this guy coming in and everybody's expecting that sort of level, you know, that of football that, say, George Graham gave at the time. And Bruce Rioch was somebody that he was almost like a, a disciplinarian, but, you know, he couldn't, he wasn't really approachable and, you know, that type of thing. And then you go through the, the 22 years of Wenger. And, okay, it comes now time to change. Emery comes in. And everybody is almost like kind of sitting that sort of yards to, to Wenger's first few years, you know, we already got us into the swing of things, already, you know, with the club supporting him, like financially, where it was, you know, you want this player, you get that player. And now, it's almost like, everybody now know how the summer worked out where Emery knew there were certain places he wanted, the club got it for him. And it's almost like that whole the thing is, that the engine is not really
1: going, you know, hand in end now. But my, my biggest fear with Emery is, was that when I looked at him at PSG, I, I know we still had like a mini debate about it. That, you know, he did win the, was it three trophies, the treble, like domestic treble at, at PSG. But when you look at him, actually, you know, he weren't really wowed by PSG. You weren't looking at him and thinking, like, flip, you know, these guys are. Are dangerous. Even Arsenal, you know, when even in Wenger's declining era, you know, we still managed to show up against PSG, and we, you know, drew against them. And when they did come up against real powerhouses in the Champions League, they just got, you know, knocked aside. I mean, they did blow a 4 0 four-nil lead over Barcelona, and also like the the next season, they just got, you know, dumped out by Real Madrid. He had Neymar Mbappe. He had players, any all players, um, he wanted. Yeah, had, and it's like you know he had to take a step back with Arsenal, not at all the quality that you know PSG has, and you can see it's even getting like you know worse because I mean this was top four, you know, opportunity for him, and you look back at la- in the start of the season now we are saying ah oh, you know we don't think Chelsea is ready, they can't make signs, and look at Chelsea at the moment Lampard got his team right in a shorter space of time than Unai Emery,
0: and also no transfer budget to work with,
1: exactly now you have to look at it now and think is language barrier actually a problem or is it just Una Emre getting it wrong?
0: Because I mean you see that same errors kind of same we, uh, you know same way week in week out we still not because like I mean my take was when we let Wenger go Amor um, when he called the time on his, his Arsenal managerial career I thought we were going to bring in a manager that's going to first uh, you know, almost like first objective was get the defence sorted out. Don't worry about spending big on, because look, we still had, at the time, you had the Lacazette's, we had the, the and type players. So I thought, okay, now we can maybe invest a bulk in the defence, get it solid in it. But it, it's like, we ended up getting, like at the time, it was Socrates who was almost like on his way out of, of Dortmund anyway. And, you know, and then of course, we had other players that weren't like, you know, uh, kind of right. And then you get Lichtsteiner that came in who probably had a few games in and as you said, it wasn't he was probably just thought as 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 a you know a backup or third choice. And then Ballarance injury, which meant he had to then come into play. And then of course I think it was was that season where where um Angela now broke his leg in Smash in the first game?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I mean Sky Walker when he ran I Then it's like everything
1: just started, you know, the the house of cards just started falling in on him. I I wanted to ask you, what do you think is going to be your turning point? you know where you look at, because I know we we still, you know, have that last inch of faith still that maybe we can turn it around. But to you, what will be your turning point where you'll be like, okay, this isn't enough, you know, I can't take this anymore. I can't have this as as a coach anymore. Like, you know, where you will be saying you hope he gets actually replaced.
0: Well, if, if we are still, you know, like my, what I'm not taking to all this, what you know I'm mentioning is like that a waveform is not improving at all. We are shipping in way too many goals and we should. And I mean, if you look at our goals against, we almost like, well, you know, say the lower half of the table with, with teams. I mean, we might be sitting fifth. But, and, 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 and something that's also uh, it's like just a, a side topic now, quick. You know, every time when I think, you know, we've just clawed ourselves back into a situation where we can now, you know, fight again to get in to the top four, then we do, like, you know, something stupid or whatever, and then we end up, you know, backtracking again, because look, we had, like, a, what was it, six or seven-point gap on United there? United are, like, what, three points away from us now already, because we have yeah. to, you know, stuff it up, and look at Spurs, they are slowly getting some sort of form back again, and look, we were saying already we need to make, you know, I while the sun is shining, you know, get that had gaps open on all of them and look at now Chelsea's already overtaken us, Spurs are already breathing down our necks and that so yeah, I don't know.
1: And, and don't then, forget about Leicester City as well, eh? They seem to be steamrolling everyone.
0: Yeah, because I mean they are clinical. They already have a sort of game plan already set. They are quite tough to break down. And I mean even in the games that they've lost, it's almost like you need to do every work and really cut out to beat them. Not give teams goals away we are.
1: That's our biggest problem. We're gifting girls. We like the gift of the givers at the moment where we just can't stop shipping in girls and like you know, where do you draw the line? I mean, you actually um the defender of Leicester City, I think I maybe mentioned this. But the defender of Leicester City, what's that is a Turkish youngster that they signed from Germany?
0: I can never say his name like that, so i just say the Turkish guy.
1: Yeah, so but you you, you mentioned him that, you know, Arsenal should have signed him and I think Sven Mislintant also think maybe, you know,
0: yeah. I eyed him out. But look at that and look know, at who we have now. You know, with, with with that that old deal. At that point we were actually too, well, like, too cheap to pay the twenty five billion that uh Freiburg wanted at the time. That I'm talking about that time when he was now uh you know, becoming the seat. And in that time that we were stalling and stalling, that was when Lister jumped in and got him.
1: I mean, it's sad. I mean, like, they have Johnny Evans as well, who seems to be, you know, doing a job and we were making fun yeah. of him. You know, me personally as well. I think, uh oh, no, Johnny Evans, no ways.
0: Yeah, and I mean, at the moment, he, he, uh, he might not have the pace or whatever, but he's still got the brain power and he knows exactly where to position himself to, you know, get the upper end on people. And uh, it's almost like with, with um, what's it called? that guy? Uh, Matt's almost joined Dortmund now. Look, he might not be the quickest. Even the they're not bored, everybody wondered why. When you I've watched him play a few games now with Dortmund. And the way he reads that game, like you he might have, he's, he's not the quickest, but if his partner makes an error, he's already, you know, waiting for that guy to come, like to intercept or to clean up and, and stuff like that. And everything is done in like you know, a very crisp clinical way. And I think that is what we miss. I think that's also where we miss the trick because Look when Bayern already showing interest in other defenders and that in like Pavard and them. I mean that is where we should have said, look, why not, you know, take a gamble with this guy? Because he, physically he's still on the on the on the money. He's he's still like as I said, the he's reading on the game. Because I mean there's even talk well, there was even talk where Germany wants to bring him back to the national side.
1: You, you, you know that was one of the things we miss in the in Arsenal. We we don't have a car made or someone who can Sniff out danger so you're already covering in case you know the the person messes up or he, he misjudges something. You don't have someone cleaning up because you know why? If somebody makes an error at Arsenal or misjudges a tackle, there's three people who misjudge the tackle on the same guy at the same time, and then there's a the whole open field ahead. There's, there's no body that's you know, David Luiz, you know, he every time says keep your head, guys, keep your head, and then he ends up losing his head.
0: Well, uh, you know, also with that. Uh, for the Liverpool game, you had Kolasinac having to close down. I forgot who the player was. And then what does he do? He tell like, after the guy cuts inside of him. I thought, okay, now you know adjust and try to still catch up. He even gives up and he tells Rob Holding to you know close that guy down. But I mean, Rob Holding is marking. I don't know if it was Origi or somebody in the middle. And I thought, why? He, why was he not sacrifice that spot? Because then it's going to leave a man free in the box. And that is where the, where I mean with that that
1: this this awareness of the team was poor, poor. But you, you will mention it probably next week again when the same thing happens. I mean, Aisley Maitland-Niles, we mentioned his awareness uh, the counts of time. I mean, don't they work on it in training, you know? Maybe give him the ball and then people close him down from like a, any angle and he must try to, you know, get out of danger. We just start to dally-dally too much and we get caught in the ball consistently and it leads to spillover effects.
0: No, but I mean, I think what what the thing that's the uh, thing really pissing me off at the moment is that you know that that sense of playfulness that you have in the in the training thing—it's it's still happening. I mean, the other day I was watching a clip where they the, the foot coach is telling them, you know, to do that thing where you jog like three steps and you have to pull your leg above your knee, you know, going forward, but you're pulling the leg over your knee like that, and then. Down and then you like again three or four steps and you take your other leg and pull that thing. You know, they ask, like I mean I was watching a bombing and they just touching their foot and they, they lifting it above the like above the ankle, and then they just go on and I think you are given a specific, you know, instruction as a like look you're gonna have to take everything serious when you train, and then you see stuff like that or you see this, uh, you know that you know when they're all like in those little cliques, like with the French guys in one group and. Uh, so
1: just speak Spanish in one group, and that, like that, is not going to work. I can tell you now, it's not going to work. This there, fun and games need to stop now, and like the clicks. I mean you can do that if it's working. If Arsenal are having a five, six-point gap in the Premier League, then by all means, you know, carry on because it's working. But it's not working now, so things need to change. So even needs to start being stricter. I don't know if he just... I, I don't mean to be harsh, but I don't know if he has a backbone or what, because it just doesn't seem like he can put his foot down on the team. The team's doing what he wants. I mean, say what you want about, you know, finger or whoever. We've never saw, seen a really a tantrum of Jaka's magnitude. I mean, he must know that Unai Emery is not really going to take action for him to behave the way he did. Yeah, I mean, they don't respect him.
0: There's, I'm not sure if there's a clip still on, on, on YouTube where... um. There was, I don't know if it was, if it was now under, with Pep at Man City or Pep at, at Bayern, But there were one or two players that were not trying hard enough. And he sent them away. He told them, I don't have time to waste. And it wasn't even like a warning or whatever. He said, you're not working hard enough in the training. So go, go to the showers. Get showered, get dressed and go. Home. And then they stood almost like, they had, they, you know, stunned and whatever. And he said, I'm not joking. Go home. Oh,
1: I think it's the lack of respect. I think the players are starting to, are starting to creep in for Emre. I think the lack of respect. I mean, under Wenger, players were normally angry when they took him off, but they would shake his hand still. You know, they would even if it's a light touch, they would still. But it's like, Una Emre, the players are just like they just don't care. They just don't. Have, he just doesn't have the respect, and it seems like the players aren't willing to break a leg for, for Emre as in with Wenger. You know, even though the. The performances weren't always there, but you could see the guys were still trying for him.
0: Because I think it's, it's too much of a like a holiday type of thing, there, a comfort zone. So you don't see that, you know. Because when I watch them, look, of course we know we're not in the title race. Fine, we understand it. But I mean, when you see that sort of play, it's like you're watching a mid-table team at training. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not trying to insult mid-table teams because I've seen mid-table teams work quite hard or whatever but for me it's almost like these guys got the best training facilities the best of everything that you can think of also like with, with the, that fitness and everything they got state of the art technology they also with the physical side of things but it's almost like they just take it like you know it's one of those things and this is also where it's I'm not going to boil to another topic I'm bringing to bring now uh, with us Emery making jaka the captain now you have a situation where he let the players make that decision, who I want as captain, which is number one, wrong. You as a manager to show your your strength and your upper end, You have to show who you like you choose your best player to be your captain and your vice captain, period. And then you have that. Now you, all of a sudden you have a situation where uh you get the players now all of a sudden saying, Yeah, if if you strip Jaka of the captaincy, then we're gonna make a kind of you know, kind of stink to whatever and they already You've not caused almost like a, you know, internal drama again, and it's something that you, as a manager, of course, now because of that, because you made that sort of decision, until the players get that much power.
1: You, you're yeah. right. He you, you gave up his control already by yeah. by allowing something that simple. You're giving control. I mean, never have I heard at Arsenal Football Club players revolting. Like yes, individual players saying they might go and strike, but never a group of players, which just shows that. Emery doesn't have the power at Arsenal. There's no respect there, and I think we could see a, a, a stage with Arsenal where the players are going to try to get him out, maybe. And I don't want that to happen because I'm not about that. But you could see that happening. I,
0: mean, I, I already hated it when it was happening at Chelsea, when uh, you know uh, that, that, that Hazard and them were part of this crew. I think William, were, uh, William, and them was also part of it, where they were trying to get the manager sacked. I don't know if it was Conte or whatever, but they tried, you know, where they just did not give a toss about what they're doing on the field.
1: I think I think that's a, a good indication of a movie of that sort. Is that what, of, of Brian Klopp? Or is it Nigel, the the movie of when he was at Leeds? Was uh, Leeds? Yeah. That's so, same, yeah. That old United or something, or that Don United or something. Like that. that was a good
0: movie, yeah. I know what you yeah.
1: So, it's like almost like, you know, fans, you know, and, uh, see something similar, what's probably happening to watch that movie. But, I don't know, what's the way forward for us? You know, do we strip Xhaka of captaincy? Or do we try to push everything behind us now? And, you know, like a, like that message of Jaka, you know, where we just try to move forward from this and actually, you know, try to
0: push for that top four spot. I mean, my take is just move forward from the Jaka thing. You know, like we kind of start on a clean slate type, I think, because there's also some of the, the criticism of Xhaka. You might just, you know, uh, think otherwise of him as a player, but, I mean, some of the personal family attacks, that is totally off, you know. I don't support anything like that. Um, as for going forward also with regards to captaincy, this is where everybody needs to show a backbone, step up, and make the decision himself.
1: I think if we sort these things out, you know there's still hope of a top four spot, mm. but if Arsenal drift uh, and yeah. drift and just go away, I think by January they need to reassess it, and if they have to you know they say they chop the snake by its head, then that's what they're gonna have to do, and maybe give Leungberg the reins. It can't be any worse, either Leungberg or you have a a a or somebody in the wings that you that you You know, have a plan on bringing to Arsenal, give them this January to try to, you know, save the season. But we could be in a dire situation, you know, losing Obama Yang. And like I said, if we don't make top four.
0: Because look, for me at the moment, if you think of of the gap between us and, and, you know, say, Leicester and them, we cannot put ourselves in a situation, even if we win, uh, say, tomorrow, or like when we put out the podcast, like today. Uh, you're actually putting yourself in a situation like where even if we win, we're still going to be because there's no way of getting, we're going to claw that gap maybe closer, but we're still going to be because just that stupid way we've now, you know, starting to letting that other teams open a gap on us. And, and I I, believe- that, that is what, what, that point also reiterated, you were saying, you also don't want that gap to get any bigger than, say, that 5.0. What's it? Four points now that gap. So you don't want that gap to also get, you know, between us and Leicester even. You know, you
1: don't want that gap to go get any bigger then. If we lose to Leicester next week, I think that for me, I will,
0: I will I will then say,
1: you know, that's it, every hand in your gun and badge. And it's time to move on because then it would have been only one away win the season at in the Premier League, which for me is not on. I mean, we are Arsenal football club for um Out of all of this, we're not, you know, a, a team scrapping for relegation. No disrespect to those teams, but Emery's been given a budget. He's been given the facilities. He's been given everything that any of these coaches could ask for. And he's not delivering. Simply, we cannot be in that same stage of where we held on to Wenger for too long. We need to take the risk. If it's not working, move on to the next guy.
0: Yeah. So that's where I'll draw a line on the podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I'm making no predictions about the game against <laughs> it slide as it is. Uh, but, you know, we'll see you guys next week again. Keep well. Bye.
1: And then for our English listeners from or oh, from guys from the UK or England and South Africa listeners, all the best for the Rugby World Cup final. It's going to be a tough one.